1: Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. Each week I'm uncovering the recipes that will change the way you cook. This week I'm speaking with chef and entrepreneur Whitney Wright. We discussed the corn butter, yes as in butter made from corn, that she picked up while cooking at Per Se restaurant, what it was like working with her food idol, and how her relationship to food has changed now that she's no longer cooking on the line. Hi Whitney.
0: Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. Where are you right now? Thanks for having me. I'm in my car in a parking lot (laughs) in Birmingham, (laughs) Alabama. I was rushing to get home and didn't quite make it before we um, decided to start. So here I am. I love it. So tell me, how exactly does corn become butter? How does corn become butter? Well, first, I think I need to say this isn't really my corn butter. It is a recipe that I learned um, when I was working at Per Se on the line and um, I worked the entremet station there, which was doing a lot of the vegetables and a lot of the things that kind of accompanied the big protein dishes and um, corn butter was actually something we made to finish a um, a risotto dish. And so that's kind of where it came from. And the short answer is corn is made up of a lot of sugar. And after it is harvested, that sugar converts into a starch. And so the same way if you were making like a bechamel sauce or a gravy and you made a roux, which is when you combine a fat with um, a flour and cook it down in the pan to make a starch and that that, that's what thickens the gravy or the sauce later, the starch in the corn does the same thing if you cook it. And so to make corn butter, you take corn, you juice it to get all the juice out. You strain it to get um, all the kind of... Husky um, parts from the kernels out of it, and then you cook it very slowly over low heat, and that activates the starch and that thickens it, and then you have corn butter.
1: Amazing. So I hadn't actually thought about that. The age of the corn might kind of affect how quickly it turns into butter. If it, you know, that's probably why corn is so much sweeter when you first pick it and then start to lose its yes. sweetness. It yes. probably will thicken into corn butter much faster.
0: Yeah, there's kind of an old farming adage that is if you're going to go harvest your corn, you shouldn't do it until you put the pot of boiling water on because that's like you want to cook it immediately because that's when it's sweetest. And so, yeah, the longer you have the corn in your house and particularly at um, it actually the sugars actually convert to starch faster if it's at room temperature at a high heat. So if it's not refrigerated, the starch conversion will happen quicker. So, yeah, the older your corn is and the warmer you keep your corn the more starch will develop and the less sugar will be there. So um, yeah, if you have corn that's like just been picked and you're trying to do this recipe and it's not setting up as quickly or as thick, it's probably because the starches haven't developed.
1: But I imagine at per se, you were using pretty fresh, sweet, corn and it still turned into butter. So even if your corn is freshly picked, it will still become butter.
0: It will. It definitely will. This started as a recipe at per se, and I kind of would experiment with it at home. And per se, we didn't use it. Like when I would eat this at home, I would like slather it on cornbread. I would often use it as like a spread on sandwich spread. So it, you know, it needed to be a little bit thicker for those kinds of purposes. At per se, what we really did was we kind of swirled it into this like very fancy, very opposite of the corn butter, very fancy white truffle risotto that we served at the end, just to give it kind of a little like sweet summer flavor, like we used to say. But anyway, so it wasn't as imperative for our use in the kitchen that it was super thick. But when I was doing it at home, yeah, I didn't I didn't have access to the per se corn purveyors in my apartment. So my corn was probably a little older.
1: Got it. You know, at, per se, you said you served it in mm-hmm. the risotto, but how was it that you would eat it? When you would take it home, or when you would make it at
0: home. Well, I first really started eating it. You know, I mean, working in a kitchen is is kind of brutal. It's like really long hours, and you're on your feet, and you don't have a lot of time to stop and eat. And so, I like really kind of it became a habit for me eating it really late night after service when we'd be done. And there were certain great ingredients and certain components to dishes that we would have to make fresh every day, and um, the corn butter was one of them. So I always had some leftover, and so it was always good with some of the bread from the bread station, just dipped in it. That would kind of be my like 2 a.m. snack. But it's you, you can really keep it in the refrigerator after you make it for, I'd say, like three to four days. I would make it at home. And actually, now that I'm thinking about this, I would actually make it at home if I had corn in the fridge that I like hadn't ended up cooking for like corn on the cob. And this would kind of be some, like a recipe that I could do without it. Because if you eat corn on the cob and the corn isn't as sweet, it's just not as good. And so this is actually kind of maybe a good alternative if you've got some old corn hanging out because um, the starch content will be higher. But yeah, I would use it a lot on um, like vegetable sandwiches, almost in place of mayonnaise. It actually makes really great if you mix it with ricotta cheese or mascarpone. It makes awesome ravioli filling. That's a really good way to eat it. I know you can add it to like an ice cream base and make like a sweet corn type ice cream thing for summer. That's kind of a lot of effort though. And then yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a good summer condiment, I feel like.
1: Well, I love that image of you eating it when you were on the line at 2 a.m. At 2 a.m., sleep deprived, tired and starving. Yeah. (laughs) That seems so relatable to anyone who's worked in a restaurant before. The the kinds of foods that you, you know, sneak throughout your shift to keep your energy up or at the very end of your shift when you're needing to like break down your station and everything like that. I feel like a very visceral, um, experience comes from that, from that nourishing when you're so. Yeah, I think that's
0: right. It's, I mean, I, I very, I, I like, you know, there were lots of things I did it per se over and over and over and over again, in terms of like dishes we made and ingredients we prepped, but doing like the the repetition of doing that kind of cleaning up your station at the end of the night, knowing that you're going into menu meeting and trying to find something just that's like a little bit nourishing that, you know, you're going to love to eat and be able to sit and have like, I, I seem to remember that more than anything. Like, what am I going to eat? And um, of course at per se, we had the benefit of um, really kind of, nice leftovers hanging out a lot. And a lot of it would usually get made into family meal the next day, but anything we could kind of scrounge off our stations, um, we would.
1: So is there anything else from your time at Per Se that is still with you in your cooking now?
0: I don't, I, you know, I don't really cook that way at home ever. I mean, I think just a lot of the basic techniques that you learn in terms of um, getting really, really good at blanching vegetables or getting really, really good at, you know, peeling apples. There's just so much repetition in what you're doing. I mean, I'm, so I'm pretty, um, my, my, just like my basic cooking skills are really strong. I think the one thing that I am so grateful to have from working in a restaurant environment is that I'm really good at cooking and not destroying a kitchen. And I think, we, you know, you just kind of learn to cook and you learn to clean up as you go. And you learn about like smart things to do with vegetable scraps and how to, um, you know, use one pan to do multiple things and and know kind of what order you can do that in. And so I'd say one of my greatest takeaways from working in a professional kitchen is, is just being able to cook really kind of like efficiently and cleanly at home. Every time I cook in front of my mom, for example, she's like, it doesn't even look like you made any, like, how did you do that? And I think um, she always says that like one of her biggest impediments mentally to cooking is like cleaning up afterwards. I'd say that was probably kind of the biggest scale I left with. That's a good one. That
1: feeling is so satisfying when you can end
0: cooking your meal and
1: know that you don't have a pile of dishes. Uh, well, speaking of scraps, was there anything
0: that you would do with the pulp of the corn that you strained out to make the butter? I don't remember doing anything with that. I mean, a lot of the flavor is in kind of all the juice that you pull out. Man, so I don't know. You know what we did do with it at some places? If you're making stock, it actually works as a really good clarifier. So when you're making a stock, you put in, you know, the bones that you're using or if it's vegetables, it'd be actually great in a vegetable stock. And the corn pulp, actually, we we used to put it in vegetable stock and I think in chicken stock and while it's simmering, a lot of the um, sediment and a lot of the kind of like impurities in the chicken bones and things like that will boil up and get trapped in this stuff and then you skim it off. And so um, it, I do remember putting it in, into stock a couple of times.
1: That's so interesting. That's like the the traditional egg raft. Exactly. That's so handy because I never, ever think about clarifying my stock when I'm at home. I just, like, I'm there for the flavor and not really worrying about how clear it is. But if you want a clear, like, clean-tasting broth, and I imagine that the corn gives some of its flavor too. Yeah. That is the one thing about this recipe that, like, you, it feels like you're, you've got all this good matter that you want to do something with. I bet it would be good if you wanted to fold it into like muffins or you know, or cornbread or corn something. Bread, cornbread would be yeah. great. Yeah,
0: I've never tried that.
2: This is the genius recipe tapes. We'll be right back.
1: You know, this recipe also reminds me a little bit of a couple other ways that I've seen corn thickened in this way. Um, there was, uh, Yotam Otolenghi has a fresh corn polenta that I wrote about in Genius Recipes, and I don't believe the corn is strained, so it's, it's a little bit more chunky. And then just this week, I got a newsletter in my inbox from Lucas Folger talking about something he called uh, corn tofu. Oh, cool. So it was strained as well and thickened with arrowroot starch as well. So it would just be a little bit more set, kind of like some tofu. So I'm curious, have you seen or have you personally used corn as a thickener in in this way and in other recipes or in other applications?
0: I mean, I, I feel like when you're making creamed corn, it's kind of like the same thing. That's why creamed corn... Is so good and has that kind of creamy, thicker texture. I've seen Ottolinghi's recipe, which is awesome. Something that I (laughs) have had to get used to. And I can tell you at first when I moved, I told you earlier, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. And I did not grow up eating grits at all. And I just, I didn't understand them. And anyone's grits that I really loved, they've had a lot of butter in them. And a lot of times actually people have put fresh corn in them. And so I wonder if doing that actually kind of changes the texture of them a little bit. And maybe that's why they were a little bit more amenable to me. So I I imagine it also has the same effect in kind of some grits recipes that I've seen. But I mean, I think you just have to think of it as like, you know, it's like a roux that you're making for a gravy or a bechamel, it it kind of has the same principle. And and as you heat it up and add it to things, it'll help thicken them.
1: Except it's one ingredient. It's one ingredient. Doing it kind of all on its own. Totally. And gluten-free, if that's what you're looking for. That's right. That's true.
0: That's true. Yeah. It's a magic ingredient now that I think about it.
1: Okay. So back to after per se that was where you first met corn butter and incorporated it into your cooking but then you brought it to guilt taste and that's when you shared it with the world so what was I guess that process like deciding that you wanted
0: to feature it at guilt taste what was the response like so guilt taste was this like kind of wacky awesome experimental place job. I um I ended up there after per se and after I was doing some stuff for the food network. Um kind of by happenstance, a friend of a friend hooked me up with a woman. Her name is Jen Pelka. She said, we're putting together this great team. I said, okay, I think I'm interested. She said, when can you start? I said, well, I guess tomorrow. And she said, great, I'll see you at the office. And so I walked in and it was um, this incredible team of people But the people who were doing most of the editorial content were me, Frances Lamb, who runs Splendid Table, uh, Jen Pelka, and then like my like all-time idol. I mean, I was starstruck when I saw her and I didn't know she would be there, but it was Ruth Reichel. You didn't know she would be there? No, Jen, Jen didn't tell me that Ruth was involved. Yeah. And so um yeah, I was starstruck and set in and we spent the first couple of weeks like mapping out the editorial calendar and Ruth and Francis were doing a lot of that. And you know, Ruth has seen everything, everything, anything and everything in food. I mean, she really is I I don't know anybody in the world who knows more about food than she does. One day I was talking to Francis um about per se and um I think someone, someone was talking about corn. I said, Oh, you've our corn butter. And I kind of saw like Ruth perk up and she was like, what? And I was like, Ruth doesn't know what this is. Like (laughs) this is going to be great. And anyway, sure enough, I talked about it with her and made some and brought it in. And she said, this is so cool. I've never seen anything like this. Like let's run it. And so that's, um, there weren't many moments I had like that with Ruth, but this was one of them.
1: Was the audience response pretty big too? Yeah. And then it came to me through a tip from a reader at really? the time. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how, that's kind of what's fueled the Genius Recipe series all this time is people seeing things out in the world that impress them and that they haven't seen before and letting me know about them. So yeah, a Food52 community member sent it to me. And uh, I think... I think it came in around the same time that I was about to feature the fresh corn polenta. And so it didn't, it didn't work on the site at the time, but it was perfect for the Genius Recipes cookbook, which was coming out, you know, a year or two.
0: Have you made it a lot?
1: Yeah. I mean, I haven't made it in a while, but back then, um, when I was getting ready for the book, it was amazing. Yeah. What did you do with it? Oh my gosh. I, well in the book, we put it on biscuits, which was kind of a perfect fit because we had Shirley Courier's uh, touch of grace biscuit in the book. And this was was such a simple mini recipe that we included that it nested on that page really nicely. And then we pictured them both together in the book. So that was nice that you could see both of those. But I mean, your list that you shared at Guilt Taste, which I actually have here, if you are curious. Yeah. No,
0: tell me what, what was the list?
1: Slather onto cornbread or a muffin instead of butter. Use it on sandwiches instead of mayo. Fold it into sauteed spinach with onions and finish with just a touch of cream for a killer cream spinach.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. that sounds good. I did not try that, but that's a good idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a great list. So there's more. There's um, dribble it onto a hot dog. It'll remind you of a corn dog.
0: Oh, I love that. No one loves it. <laughs> I'm also like a huge hot dog fanatic, but yes, that's a good idea.
1: Are these like jumping back into your memory as things you... They are. I'm like vaguely remembering this now. Yeah. I think it's so interesting, the path that your career has taken. I'm curious if your relationship with food has changed at all since you're not working with it every day. Do you still love cooking at home in any different way than you were before?
0: I think since I stopped Formally working in food, my relationship with food has improved (laughs) greatly. Um, I think, you know, I, I mean, I love cooking. I mean, and I'll always love cooking, but there's, um, when you, when you, I mean, you know, when you're cooking and cooking is like part of your job um you know sometimes you're doing it and you really have to think about it and for me why I really love cooking and why I really appreciate it so much in my life is it's just kind of one of those things that I can get lost in and not have to think about and just really enjoy and it's something my daughter and I do a lot together so I think since I've I've gotten out of the food industry formally I've I I don't know if I cook more than I used to but I definitely cook um with kind of a different mindset that I used to which is nice so food has kind of taken me all sorts of places. And, and right now I'm not at the fund anymore, but I run a nonprofit here in Alabama called the Athena Collective that is dedicated to ensuring that women are part of the economic development strategies that are going on in the state. And to kind of coincide with that, I founded a jewelry company early this year called Elia Fullman, which is jewelry that was designed from empowerment theory. And it's intended to be jewelry that helps um, empower women
1: thanks so much for joining us to talk about corn butter and all of the other amazing things that you're doing.
0: Well, thank you for having me. This is so fun. And thank you for doing it from your car. Ah, I know.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening. Our show was put together by Coral Lee, Gabriella Mangino, Alik Barsumian, Ayana Long, and me, Kristen McGlory. You can find all the genius recipes, videos, and stories at our site, food52.com. And if you have a Genius Recipe that you'd like to share, please email it to me at at geniusfood 52com I am always hunting. If you like the Genius Recipe tapes, be sure to rate and review us. It really helps. See you next time.